Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. The Girlfriended principle was born out of loss. Patty's mother was murdered, and Lisa lost her mother to cancer. This forged a bond between them that nothing could shake. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. Is bad good? Well, can bad really be good? According to our guest, Liz Curtis Higgs, who happens to be a best-selling author and speaker, bad can be good. Well, we also have another special treat today with our special guest, Jan Lamero with Bloom. So before we get too far into our bad is good and good is bad, <laughs> um, so we, you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Okay, so Patty, recently we attended um, one of our favorite conferences of the year that we always look forward to. It's a leadership summit. It's hosted by Willow Creek Association, and we uh, sat in, at our church at Central Christian AZ with like 1,500 people to just kind of engage and take this in. And it really is like um, getting hit with uh, a leadership fire hose, just spewing all this information. And when I say spewing, I mean in a really good way. Yes, it, it was spew- amazing. It spews amazing. all this information on leadership and how to use your influence. And, you know, it hits the gamut. And one of our favorite speakers this year was at the conference was um, an author and speaker, Brene Brown. And Brene Brown has several books, and she's done a TED Talk. And you can we even put that in our um, postcard this week. But according to Dr. Brown... All people have three irreducible needs. They are, one, to be seen and loved, two, to feel like they belong, and three, to be brave. So lock that in your mind. And as we move forward with this in the back of our heads, we're going to jump right in right now with our first guest, who we we introduced earlier is Jan Lomero from Life Journey Church in Bakersfield, California, where she and her husband, Dave, are church planners who started the church and are leading that church right now. Jan is also a certified spiritual director and enjoys encouraging people on their spiritual journey and helping them to store up eternal treasure by making the most of this earthly training. Well, Jan is also a part of one of our favorite groups of girlfriends called Bloom, which is a thriving ministry that provides inspiration, encouragement, and resources for church planters' spouses so they can provide the same to their families, staff, and churches. And Bloom is a part of an organization and ministry called Stadia. And Stadia brings people together and churches together to truly transform lives and communities through church planning. Well, representing Bloom today is our special guest and friend, Jan Lamero. Jan, we want to welcome you to Girlfriend It. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, we're excited just to dive in because we're going to kind of hit the ground running here. Um, with just this topic, one of the three you know needs we talked about was to be brave. And that is that is a phrase like when you say it to women, it kind of, you don't know how to really hear it or how to take it or how to live it. So we're going to ask you, first of all, describe what being brave 
means to you? That is a great question and a great topic. Um, I think that being brave just sort of means finding the courage to do something that either you're scared to do or don't want to do. You know, it could be something that just doesn't sound that fun. Um, I loved Brene Brown's um, TED Talk and seeing how scientific research sort of came up with the things that we already know from the Bible. Um, yes. How we need to be seen and loved and to belong and to be brave. And I thought, wow, okay, that's the gospel that, you know, mm-hmm. we have good news for people, you know, because we, <laughs> we, we have answers for that. That was mm-hmm. really fun. Well, it is so easy in our culture and our society and even sitting in our churches to feel like you're just another face in the crowd and that really Mm -hmm. nobody knows you by name or calling you by name. Mm -hmm. And so it really does hit that nerve when somebody says your name, somebody recognizes you and you're known by somebody. It does really, it makes you kind of stand up straight. Mm -hmm. It kind of makes you put your shoulders back and go, okay, I matter. And that really is something we all want to feel like we matter. Well, Jan, we know that you are doing some amazing work with giving people dignity, calling them by name, making them feel loved when they're probably walking around feeling very unloved and like an untouchable. You work with a lot of homeless people, which a lot of people go, oh, we need to reach out and we need to do more. But then the the reality of it is, you know, very few people actually get involved and do that because it can be messy and it, and it, um, and, and it, you know, you don't, sometimes it's overwhelming. You don't know where to start. Can you just talk about that? You know, how you are really being brave by stepping into that and really reaching out and touching the homeless. Yes. Yeah. Um, I, I also loved your uh, clip from Brittany Ruiz, um, the former porn star and how she said, you know, that she was just searching for acceptance and love and I think that also is universal, and we saw that with um, our homeless people. Mm-hmm. We One day, I will never forget, I was we were worshiping as normal, and uh, from behind me, the door opened, and I literally smelled people come in the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was um, three homeless people, and they came in, and I was so proud of our congregation for the way that they loved and accepted them, and came over to literally hug them. I mean, they were very filthy, very smelly. Um, and one of them, my, my favorite that I was telling you about, Bobby Lee, um, he was hesitant to be hugged, to be touched, because he knew he was dirty. And so he, he put out his elbow to bump elbows, you know, like you would wow. bump fists or something, but the elbow was even safer, I guess, to him. And so he was going to just bump elbows with people. And, um, you know, nobody accepted that. They just went ahead and hugged him, and uh, he became a part of our congregation um, and found love and acceptance in in amazing ways um, and found dignity. And eventually, as I told you the story, he died with a shred of dignity um, from alcohol, um, uh, from liver um, deterioration, and but he wasn't alone because he had found a place to belong and to be a part of. So it and was, that is, that is truly what it really is about is, is giving people their dignity. Absolutely. And, and no matter whatever walk of life, cause we all need to know that because, you know, even in our culture, we might not be homeless, but you know, so many of 
of us and our friends have either lost a job, lost a relationship, where you just, you feel depleted, you feel discouraged, and you don't even know how to function sometimes. You go in that place. And how do we truly, as a community, as the body of Christ, come around each other and go, you are still loved, you are still valued, you are still known, you still have a purpose. That really is our challenge um, as the church in our communities and seeing those needs. How did you personally... Do you, does your church have a, like an official formal homeless ministry or did you just, does it just kind of evolve for you and you're just reaching out and loving, loving them? Yes. No, it definitely just evolved. Uh, I love that because, you know, we can make all the plans that we want, but really it's the Lord that directs our mm. churches. Um, he is the Lord of it. And, you know, like I said, it was just a normal day of worship and these people came in and literally changed my life because um, it's been almost two years ago now to the day that I prayed. Um, part of my, one of my bold prayers was asking God to increase my capacity. Mm-hmm. And what I meant by that was, you know, give me this great ministry. I, I could have maybe dreamed up some wonderful homeless ministry. But <laughs> what he did over the next year or two was um, to teach me to love, which is sort of your topic that you were talking about. And um, little did I know that that is what would expand my capacity. And he taught me to love those that are difficult to love or that are normally overlooked. Um, and uh, it, it was quite a journey, but I saw how it expands everything um, when we learn to love. Well, and that is such a good point because you said as you're giving love, they really impacted your life more and and God used them in your life to expand your capacity to love. And that really should be the heart cry of all of us is, Lord, increase my capacity to love. But you have to be careful when you pray that because God, like you said, in in unexpected ways, he goes, all right, you, you want to love better? I'll show you how to love better. And, and he puts you in situations where you're like, okay, this wasn't quite the package I was thinking about. But he just blows yeah. you away with, and you discover c- kind of a joy of your life and going, okay, I love these people. I love that. Yeah. You, you, and so many times it's the, the beauty of whether it's somebody that's in prison and you're doing prison ministry or a homeless, they have lost everything and they know it. Um, mm-hmm. They can be more authentic and vulnerable and real than a lot of us that walk walk around with masks on. Well, and we so get the mask that that I mean I do that I like okay God I just want to love like you love I want to see them I want to see everyone the way you see them and then like you said then God puts someone right there in your life and you go but not that person I want to love yeah. someone like me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Jan, we have less than two minutes because it's gone by fast. What is a couple of tips that you would leave with our listeners of like just leaning in to be brave and going into the unknown? And again, going back to our our leadership summit, one of the quotes, I think it was from Brene Brown, is you can't have comfort and you can't have courage. And you you have to choose one or the other. So it's like truly living and being brave. What is a tip you would leave that you've learned? Um, you know, she also talked about vulnerability, and I loved that because uh, she said that, you know, vulnerability, what we fear is that it will open us to shame or we won't be connected, like we'll be rejected. But she said when you numb yourself to vulnerability and fear and shame, it also numbs you to joy and gratitude. And so mm-hmm. I would say be vulnerable. That was one of the things that I learned um, with my homeless friends is, you know, they're already sort of vulnerable, 
um, mm-hmm. and you're meeting them where they are, but it takes a bit of vulnerability on your part. But I, I found that the return to me of joy and gratitude and seeing Jesus in a different way, because he said, you know, when you do it to the least of these, you're doing it to me. I began to see Jesus in a different way. And so it really changed me when I became vulnerable to the sort of scary things around me. And it, it took some bravery to do that, but um, the rewards were well, well worth it. And so I would encourage everybody, be vulnerable, jump in there, do something that looks hard or messy or scary, and uh, you will reap a great reward. And that is such a great, because so many times we do run the other way and we shy away from that. Again, Jan, thank you for joining us and tell all the girlfriends at Bloom High, we just appreciate you guys so much. Well, we're going to take a quick break and when we return, hold on and expect the unexpected because we'll be talking with best-selling author and humorist Liz Curtis Hicks. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Welcome back to our show. We have been discussing three desires that women crave, to be seen and loved, to belong, to be brave. And we have asked best-selling author and popular storyteller Liz Curtis Higgs to help us with unpacking this subject. 
Liz has done some amazing research on how and what we can learn from some of the wicked women of the Bible. I like it when you say that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't want to freak Liz out and have her change her phone number or anything, but I could potentially be... Run, Liz, run. (laughs) I could be a huge groupie fan of hers if there was only enough time in the day. She is on my top list of authors, um, her and Francine Rivers. I just absolutely love and adore. So Liz, this is your fair warning when you get my two o'clock AM phone calls. Um, (laughs) Like Lisa said, you need to run. So welcome Liz Curtis Higgs. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm not worried about those 2 AM phone calls. You go for it. (laughs) Well, you, you should, you should be very, very frightened. I'm just giving you fair warning, Liz. (laughs) Be afraid, be very afraid. Yeah, I got it. You know, we're talking about being bold. That that will be where I'm. I'm I, I will practice my boldness there. <laughs> she will take that literally. <laughs> you have off, authored over thirty books with more than four point five million copies in print. And I have to tell you, when I read your best-selling book, Bad Girls of the Bible, this was years and years ago. Um, wow. I could not put it down. And I was telling Lisa, you you were one of those. You know, I had grown up as a Christian my entire life. So when when I opened up your book and some of the naughty things that you talked about, it kind of like just, it, it, it it's expanded my horizon. Let's just say that. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't go home and tell my mom about it, all right? <laughs> I got that. I got that. Well, you know, it was edgy when it came out. 1999 was when Bad Girls of the Bible was first published. Of course, we got a new edition this summer, which is thrilling. But, um, but yeah, it was edgy. And the funny thing was, from a distance, the of the in the middle of the title was very small. So from a distance, it looked like Bad Girls Bible. Mm. So when I was doing book signing at stores and so forth, people would walk by, look in, and just see that cover and roll their eyes and say, a bad girl's Bible, what will they think of next? (laughs) And I'm thinking, hey, baby, who needs it more than a bad girl? You know what I'm saying? It's all good. So so apparently I picked it up. So (laughs) You have an amazing way of just making these incredible women in scripture come alive, you know, just with their needs, their naughtiness, their riskiness, and of course, in the end, their holiness, which is what it all comes down to. And just like you said, who needs it most? It, it, it doesn't matter if you're a good girl or a bad girl. We all need Jesus. But I, I truly, I just want to personally thank you for helping me crave God's word by you tapping into your giftedness because you did make these characters come alive where I, I wanted I wanted to learn more about them and to go into God's word and and really discover it for myself. So you are so talented, so gifted, and I don't think you get told that enough because especially when you're you're sitting there writing all day long. Well, and I have to add, I I heard you years ago speak, and um, what the thing I appreciate so much is you say what we're thinking, and I always appreciate that about somebody that speaks. It's like you're you're thinking in your head, and you're like. Okay, that took me down this trail. And then all of a sudden you would say it. And it's like, okay, that is so cool. She's, she's in my head. She's saying that. And it just, it resonates. So you have such a great way of communicating where people go, me too. And, and you can relate. Well, okay, let's talk a little bit about this. Because how do you personally relate to these, we're going to call them shady ladies in the scripture? Yeah, shady ladies, a little bit insight. women, bad girls, you bet. Well, I think... <laughs> You know, I went into it um, just curious to learn about them. I mean, we we always hear about the good girls. You know, they're often written about, often studied, often held up for Christian women's programs. And 
being a former bad girl, I just I really wanted to take a look at them in the Bible, find out what made them bad, find out if any of them had happy endings. Some do. Uh, and see what we could learn from them. I mean, the subtitle of the book is, and what we can learn from them, because it's easy to discount not only the bad women of the Bible, but bad people that you meet today. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we kind of write them off. We really do. If we're really honest, we, you know, give up on them. Oh, well, there's no hope for her. Sadly, sometimes these are even people we love very much, prodigals in our lives that we just think, there's no way they're ever going to get it turned around. And to that mom, grandmother, whomever, I just want to say God's arm is not too short to save. The scripture is clear on that. And so if he doesn't give up on him, let's not give up on him either. Though I certainly understand the heartache, the disappointment, the shame, there's a lot that goes with that. So let's look at those bad girls and see what we can learn from them. And and some of them are bad to the bone. I mean, wow. Jezebel, what are you going to say about her? (laughs) Here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. Like, she, you talk about boldness. This was a bold woman. Mm -hmm. She she worshipped Baal, just like her daddy. So she chose her daddy's God. Mm -hmm. And that was her one big mistake. And then everything went downhill after that. But as far as her personality, her qualities, the way God made her, she was strong. She was intelligent. She was a natural leader. She was bold. She was fearless. What if she had actually worshipped the one true God? This woman would have been another Deborah. We would have been singing her praises, saying, wow, Jezebel, I'm going to name my daughter Jezebel. Uh, But instead, she's become a household word for badness. And it all came from worshipping the wrong God and then all the wrong decisions that came from that. It's really a heartbreaking story. And, of course, she takes her man with her. Ahab was one of the good guys. Then she turned him away from God, and he became one of the most evil kings. Mm-hmm. He finally turns back, thanks to a prophet. But um, it just shows the power that a strong woman has to lead her family in the right direction or the wrong direction. And she definitely took her whole family in the wrong direction. That is such a good point where Lisa and I talk about that all the time. It's like when, when you really look at – I mean you hear those, those quotes, you know, behind every great man is an awesome woman. But we, we truly can take down kingdoms and we see it over and over and over again. So if you underestimate the gifts that God has given you, um, it, it's just you the need to reevaluate. Yes, to go, okay, God, every morning waking up and going – who do I need to influence today? And I think so many times, I know I do this, I overlook my husband because I think, oh, he's fine. He's a, you know, a, has a strong personality. And you forget how much that you have that impact on him mm-hmm. to, to go through his day. Uh, but yeah, Jezebel, can you imagine being that person that for decades and thousands of years later, you, you are the bad example. <laughs> You're the one that we study for when we can't figure out some of our team members. <laughs> That's right. That here's, here's how bad it can get. Well, the truth is, you talk about the influence that a woman has. I mean, that actually began with Eve. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the one who reached first for the fruit. Now, I will point out, she took it and she ate it. And then the next thing it says, and her husband who was with her ate it also. Yeah, you go first. Yeah, she went first, but he was not far on her heels. And it took for her to to make that big sin. Uh, It took a very crafty 
creature, the craftiest creature God ever made, to have a conversation with her to get her started down that wrong path. Sadly, what it took for Adam, there was no conversation with the snake. There wasn't even a conversation Mm -hmm. with Eve. She ate, he ate. Talk Mm -hmm. about influence. Mm-hmm. Um, then you look at Lot's wife. Another, she's bad for a moment, but oh, baby, what a moment! You know, she turns <laughs> back to Sodom and Gomorrah and is turned into a pillar of salt. But the thing is, it didn't just take her life; it affected her daughters, who now were left. You know, the husband has no wife, and the daughters say, "Wow, we don't have any man to be with. Let's get dad drunk." And there, mm-hmm. that one goes. They're so bad, I didn't put them in any of my bad girl books. <laughs> you know, the really, really, really bad girls of the Bible. Yeah, but what they box would not is that? Have... <laughs> That's right. But they, you know, they wouldn't have been forced to go that way if mom hadn't taken the wrong step in the first place. It's it's just critical to see as wives and mothers, just women in general in the workplace, what have you. Um, what an influence we have. We often think, oh, the guys are the powerhouses around here. Oh, no way. Not in the Bible and not in real life. Mm-hmm. I really struggle with Lot's wife because I have, I, I would have turned around just because your curiosity. It's like, wow, I bet you that's a really cool show. What's going on <laughs> behind? <laughs> yeah. It's just going to be a tiny peek. I wouldn't have done a full frontal. I would have just, you know, barely. Let me risk one risk- eye. Yep. Yes. yes. <laughs> I got it. Well, and, you know, we aren't actually told why she turned back. I offered 10 reasons, most of them. Of course, we're frivolous, but but I offered ten reasons. The first being, of course, that she you know tripped over her tunic. I mean, it does happen. Dropped her purse. <laughs> things happen. But but realistically, there must be some heavy duty reason she turned back. Yeah. Because centuries later, Jesus says to his people, "Remember Lot's wife," and mm-hmm. so her example rang through the centuries of what not to do. Don't look back. And you know what? That speaks so loudly to those of us who have a bad girl past to not look back either longingly, like, wow, I kind of miss those days. Don't go there. But also don't look back in shame either. Shame to me is the enemy's favorite tool. He loves to make us feel shame for those things which God has already forgiven. Mm -hmm. It's done. It's over. It's forgiven. It's under the blood. It's, you know, forget it. But we we keep reliving and re-experiencing the shame of that stuff. And so when Jesus says, remember Lot's wife, don't look back, um, that's a word for us today as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that we can unpack that whole concept of, of shame because uh, I think that is where women struggle. And especially as you start maturing in age, we do have a tendency to look back. We want to look back at our failures. We want to look back at what could have been. And like you said, we even want to look back at some of the bad things that, that we've done. And that does. It stops you from being able to keep your eyes focused on him and, and moving forward. Um, we only have about a minute before we, we go into commercial break here. Um, and, and Liz, I, I also I kind of want to, when we come back in from the commercial uh, talk about that just a little bit more because sometimes when we look back and then we fall back, it's it's even worse than oh, yeah. than, oh, yeah. than the first time that you know we we went through that. But we're going to take a quick break, and when we return, we'll continue our conversation with Liz Curtis Higgs. And I just want to leave you with this thought from Liz: If the Almighty directs our steps, 
we've no need to look back over our shoulders. And we are going to come back from our commercial break and talk about that. How can we stop from looking back and how can we- And not be Lot's wife. (laughs) (laughs) Which I've already admitted that 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 would be my, my issue there. So stay with us and we are going to count down um, the commercial minute so we can come right back. This is Girlfriended on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90-plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one-of-a-kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like-minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you. But it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smart strategies and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level you've got big dreams you've got big vision now it's time for you to make it happen welcome back to girlfriended radio a chance for you to let your hair down curl up with a mug of whatever you love and have some nice girl talk it's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Okay, so what's a good girl to do? Well, learn from their lives, says beloved humor writer Liz Curtis Hicks. And by God's grace, choose a better path. Well, in Bad Girls of the Bible, Hicks offers a unique and clear-sighted approach to understanding those other women in scripture, combining a contemporary retelling of their stories with a solid verse-by-verse study of their mistakes and what lessons women today can learn from them. Well, right before we went into our commercial break, we were talking about the emotion of shame and how powerful really that emotion can be and how it can really be debilitating. So let's, as we kind of taken that all in and let's expand that a little bit because as women, we do, we, we deal with the guilt and the shame of and our past back, mistakes. Yeah. We just want to like glow. I don't know what we do, why we do it, <laughs> why, we, why we can't move forward with that. But how, how can we... Um, look back, Liz, and um, and yet still look forward, like learn from our mistakes and yet just crave Jesus and want to just run down that road. Sure. Well, I do think, as we mentioned before, and it's worth repeating, that guilt and shame, which really are two sides of the same coin, um, they guilt is saying, here's what I did wrong, and shame is saying, and I'm never going to be forgiven for it. I can't get past it. 
Um, and both of those are that is those are not biblical teachings. You know that you should feel guilty and and never get past it. What you do when you have conviction, and that's a work of the Holy Spirit, he says gently, lovingly to us, look clearly, do you see what you've done wrong? Okay, that's conviction, and it's healthy, it's holy, and it's necessary, or we're going to be stuck forever. So the work of the Holy Spirit is that conviction piece. It's loving, and it moves us toward God. Condemnation is where guilt and shame live, and that's the work of the enemy the opposite of the Holy Spirit. And he's busy saying to us, you're no good, you've never been good. That thing you did 20 years ago, see how ugly that is? Let's revisit that. See how ugly that is? Why would you ever be forgiven for such a thing? All that kind of language is not God language. It just isn't. So the first thing we have to do is discern the two voices, the loving one that comes from God, the hating one that comes from the enemy. And once we can literally begin to be tuned up to where that message is coming from, then we can receive it if it's from God and push it aside if it's not. Um, And how do we do that? Well, you know, it's a pretty obvious and easy answer. You spend time in his word. You know what the word, the voice of God sounds like. Literally what it sounds like, the kinds of words he uses toward us. Loving words, grace-filled words, mercy-filled words. And then you look at, at how the enemy speaks, and he's a liar. He, he is mm-hmm. the father of lies, and he loves to tear us down. So if it's building you up, it's from God. It's tearing you down. It's the other side. I know I'm making it really simple, but you know what? It is really simple. <laughs> and so then, then you just have to turn the noise down. You, and I just speak to the adversary and tell him, that is a lie, and here's why. Here's what the Word says. And luckily, he crawls off. Don't we wish uh, Eve had tried that, you know, when he came with his lies in the in the garden? Um, but she didn't have the tools yet. And can I just say, what happened in the Garden of Eden was no shock or surprise to God. You know, he wasn't wringing his hands in heaven saying, Oh, my word, what am I going to do now? Look at this mess. Are you kidding? He was ready from the beginning. From the beginning, with an answer for our sin. And what happened in the garden? They sinned, absolutely, no question. Then they tried to cover up their sin. This is human nature. And I I love that they did it with fig leaves. First of all, fig leaves were the biggest leaves in Canaan. So they physically got the biggest leaves in the garden. And the Bible says they sewed them together. Every translation says sew, but we know they didn't have a needle and thread. So they're kind of weaving them together, okay? So now they're wearing leaves, which look pretty good on day one. But leaves, without being connected to their, you know, to their vine, as it were, are going to do what? They're going to shrivel up and fall off. And this pretty well describes what happens when we try and cover our sin. So in comes God in Genesis 3. In comes God, and he covers their bodies, and he uses skin, animal skin, to do it. So you've got to kill an animal to get its skin. So blood had to be shed right there in the garden. Right from the beginning, he made his path of redemption clear. An innocent one will have to shed blood for sins to be paid for. Right there. And he uses skin, which lasts forever. I mean, don't you have a leather jacket from the 80s? (laughs) You know, leather hangs in there much more than leaves. And so so God is just showing us, you're going to have to let me handle this. Because you can't. So when you've got the guilt, you've got the shame, just give it to God. Say, Mm -hmm. okay, Lord, I see it. It's ugly. 
can you do something with this? Because I can't cover it up. What are you going to do with this, Lord? He's going to cover it in his blood. That's what, you can't handle it. You can't get rid of it. But God definitely can. It's interesting. I was on Focus on the Family recently, and and I shared my testimony, and they said to me, well, Lizzie, you certainly don't sound prideful about it, but you also don't sound ashamed of your past. You're just putting it out there uh, without covering it over with shame words. And I said, yeah, because that woman is forgiven. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's over. I'm telling you about another human being, really. I have been made new. Uh, I love uh, 2 Corinthians 5.17. We are made new when we're a new creation. Then the old creation is passed away. It's gone. So Mm -hmm. if we can get that in our heads, I think we can move past shame. It doesn't mean I'm proud of my past, but at this point in my life, um, all I can do is give that past to God and say, look at this mess, Lord, can you do anything with this? And he does. He does again and again. Uses those ugly 10 years of my life, the lost years, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll years. Uses them for ministry. I get it. There's not a woman that could come up to me and say, oh, Liz, but you don't understand what I've done. I'm like, mm-hmm. go ahead, doll. Lay it out for me. <laughs> I'm not going to blush. I'm not going to be disgusted. You will not see judgment in my eyes. I mm-hmm. get it. I've been there, and I know absolutely there's freedom on the other side of this. And you really can't say that if you haven't been there. Exactly. Well, Liz, since you are talking about, um, and and our whole topic is, can bad really be good? We would like for you to, some of our listeners don't know your story, but I, on a side note, before we uh, go into you sharing your story, I just have to say, since we we went back to the Garden of Eden, I I love how you talk about um, the simple commandment before the, the ten, that thou shalt not eat. And <laughs> that always oh, yeah. Like- <laughs> right, a food problem for women from the beginning. beginning. Is that not fascinating? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So anyway, we would love for you just to, to share your story of how, how bad can be good. Well, first it has to be bad. <laughs> and, and for me, sadly, it was bad. But I grew up a good girl. I grew up in a moral family. Um, my parents were not Christians in the sense of dedicated to the Lord Jesus, very involved in church, reading the Bible at home. None of that happened. The only prayers ever spoken in our house was the, God is great, God is good, let me thank him for our food. By his hand we all are fed. You know, give us all our daily bread. I think that was it. I said that at dinner every night, you know, this little mm-hmm. rote prayer. Um, so, so I didn't grow up in a Christian home, though I was dropped off at church once a week on Sunday. And then when I got older, I sang in the choir. But it was it was a... It was something you did like you did Girl Scouts, and then you did, you know, Glee Club, you did church. It was something for an hour a week that was a good thing to do. So when I turned 16 uh, and the world of temptation began to roll out in front of me as I had a driver's license, I could get to all that trouble, (laughs) to parties, to to drugs, to booze, to men. Um, Down that path I went with no grounding about why I shouldn't. People always think the 60s were the wild years, but the truth is the 70s were far wilder in the small town I lived in because all the party just got there. You played that wonderful song, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, my theme song right there. (laughs) And I love to have fun, so I found lots of new ways to do it. And the truth is, honestly, we didn't even know how dangerous that fun was. 
We didn't know about AIDS yet. We didn't know about STDs. We really didn't. You know, it was, hey, you got the pill now, so you can do whatever you want and not get pregnant. Where we were sitting, getting pregnant was the only danger of sex. Isn't that Mm -hmm. shocking when you think about it? That's the only thing we thought was dangerous that made you a bad girl. Otherwise, you just got away with it, and it was okay. Mm -hmm. Well, eventually, of course, the truth comes to meet you in the face, and you find out, no, there's lots of problems with these these ways of having fun, they rob you of joy. Isn't that weird? They're fun, but they're not joy-filled. Mm-hmm. They're dangerous. They are life-threatening. They uh, can cost you a job. Uh, they can cost you a lot of relationships, a lot of relationships. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's hard to not have regret, uh, with, which also kind of goes in with guilt and shame is regret. Um Regret is something you just, you have to lay down. We cannot relive one minute of our lives. I can't even have half an hour ago back, let alone 30 years ago. And so all we can do is walk forward. All we can do. That's why uh, Lot's wife was being led out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Those two men that were, in fact, angels were leading Lot, Mrs. Lot and the two little Lots out out of danger, out of death. They were saving them. And still she looked back. And so, you know, that's regret. Regret is the look back. We have to let that one go. All right. So sex, drugs, and rock and roll for Lizzie all over the country. I was a radio (laughs) jock. And so, you know, I was doing rock and roll and partying when I got off the air and doing all those those things we pray our kids never do. My kids turned out really straight, which is so fun for me. I think they probably just rebelled against what I was like (laughs) and went down a better road. (laughs) I hope also maybe I had some influence on them because I had seen it all done and all. They couldn't get away with anything. You know, I always say, you have a mother who loves Jesus and knows what a hickey looks like. So you're not getting away with the stuff I got away with. (laughs) Well, Liz, we're going to have to take a really quick break here in a minute. And you're bringing up so many great things. This whole thing with regret and shame and guilt and they are such powerful, strong emotions that as women, especially, we hold on to. And we don't want to let go. And what you're saying is we need to walk forward. We need to lay it down and not turn around and try to pick it back up and put it on our backs, but truly to Absolutely. walk forward. But on a side note, you do need to let your kids know what uh, a hickey looks like. That is, that is a really <laughs> point. <laughs> they realize you you weren't just born yesterday, that there is nothing new under the sun. It does make them right. look at you a little differently. <laughs> a little differently. Yes, it does. It surely does. It is all about being real and vulnerable and just let you know, and, and like the topic, when is bad good? Because that really is, you know, talking about so many things that can be kind of a little mantra a yeah. little bit when you're going forward. It just, it, it is about perspective and looking at life. So we're going to take a quick break. And we're going to walk forward into our break. And when we come back, we want to finish hearing, Liz, a little bit more about your story. And it's just about walking forward with some of these bad girls of the Bible, what we can learn from them, and how we can live our lives just intentionally. Be right This 
is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia brings people and churches together to transform lives and communities through church planting. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Do holidays and celebrations get you down and leave you feeling frazzled? Then join Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, 11 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Sandy will help you discover the secrets to having the celebrations you've always dreamed of while adding fun and meaning to your life. From Valentine's Day to Christmas to special family events, Sandy Fowler will show you how to put the fun and meaning back into those special days by taking a look at what we can do to turn the upcoming holidays into cherished memories and show us how to allow it to intertwine with everyday life. For more on the show, Sandy, and to receive Sandy's Holiday Happiness Booklet, go to HeartfilledHolidays.com. Then get set to discover the secrets to creating happy holidays and happy everydays by joining Sandy Fowler and her guests on Heartfilled Holidays every Monday at noon, Eastern Standard Time on Toginet.com. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome back to our discussion about how can bad be good. And our special guest today, Liz Curtis Higgs, who, as we mentioned earlier, is the author of 30 books with more than 4.5 million copies in print. And her best-selling Bad Girls of the Bible series is just amazing. And she just breathes new life into the intriguing women in history from Jezebel to Mary Magdalene. And now she is breathing a fresh perspective into us. So on that, Liz, we have to ask you, um, how do women who are bad for a season, uh, how, how do they change? Because we know that they don't have to be bad forever. Um, they no, experience the grace of God. And, and you, your story is perfect in, in sharing that as well. Um, so uh, help us go into this, this last little time that we have, sipping our coffee here on radio, talking about how we can go into this next season of our life. Well, three of the women in Bad Girls of the Bible do come into that category of bad for a season, but not forever. Uh, and they're our favorites. When I'm running around speaking, I'll touch on Jezebel or Lot's wife, but the truth is I'm going to park at the woman at the well, at Rahab, mm-hmm. at the sinful woman of Luke 7, because these are the stories that really give us hope. These mm-hmm. three women are decidedly bad, not just sort of, kind of. They are. Uh, it is interesting that their sins are all, all three of them are sexual. Um, the woman at the well, let me just say, it's not the five husbands that makes her a bad girl. It's the sixth man that she's living with but not married to that, that Jesus points out gently uh, that puts her in that bad girl category, but not forever. 
when she meets Jesus and he reveals the truth of who she is, and that is what God does to us. When he when we turn toward him and we turn toward him because he's calling us toward him. Mm-hmm. You know, it isn't sometimes we, we look at people who don't know the Lord and just shake our heads and think, What's the problem? Why won't they get, you know, with the program here? Mm-hmm. The time just hadn't come for them yet. When it's time, believe me, God has not forgotten them. When they're ready, when they've come to the end of their selves, and you know, and that's really what it takes. We have to just come to the end of ourselves. Um Realize that we're never going to be happy on our own steam. We're never going to be able to make our life the way we want it to be. When we come to the end, that's when we're ready to hear the stirring of the Holy Spirit and the calling of God to say, look my direction because I have the answer you've been looking for your whole life. And so well, that's I what he took. interrupt you on, on that, Liz. It's interesting because just a couple of weeks I had the opportunity to go to New York um, with a gal who she used to be a, a former porn star and she um, is just amazing now because she loves Jesus. She's a Christ follower. And uh, <laughs> she she actually was kind of coerced into being a porn star by saying she was going to do romance movies. But I, I told her while we were there in New York, I said, you know, this is just amazing. You are the woman at the well. You went back and she literally, her entire family her mom, her dad, her sister, her brother, they, they've all become believers. And she oh, looked at wonderful. me and goes, she goes, who's the woman at the well? And we, we just take it for granted that we know these stories and we, we've seen God's grace. And we're, it, it was just, it was one of those things, once again, growing up as a Christian, you look at her and you go, you don't know the woman at the well? So I, I told That's her right. the story and she just, she just gobbled it up. But it, it, I, I think it's interesting that you said it wasn't the right time because so many times we're praying for our friends and people that we love. And like you said, we're looking at them going, how come you don't get it? Your life is miserable. And her right. life was so miserable. She doesn't even, even remember things because she was just on drugs 24-7 and how God in his timing makes that happen. So anyway, on that, keep going. We're right at, right at a good spot. Right. Well, exactly. And what, you know, one of the reasons that I've written so many books about women of the Bible, bad girls, really bad girls, slightly bad girls of the Bible, <laughs> is because um, lots of women, we didn't grow up knowing these stories. I certainly didn't. When I came into the kingdom, I knew none of these stories. And so for me, it's all fresh and new. And I write that way. I write for Liz at 26. Liz at 26 is when I didn't know Jesus. I came to know him at 27. So I always think about Liz at 26, the girl who doesn't know these women, and I introduce them from that standpoint. So, um, mm-hmm. so our woman at the well, exactly when she meets the Savior, and you know what's so fascinating, that it's the longest conversation recorded in the Bible with an individual in Jesus. And she's a Samaritan, and the Jews never hung out with Samaritans. And a woman, rabbis were never supposed to speak to women out on the street. And a sinful woman at that, a, a, you know, a, a, a fornicator is what the King James would call her. Um, and, and yet, here's Jesus talking to her. Isn't that a word of hope? It just doesn't matter what our past is. He is delighted to reveal himself to us. 
She comes looking for well water, but when she meets living water, which is what he offers her, eternal life, she drops her water jar. I love that. Physically mm-hmm. leaves it behind and runs back to the town, just as you said, and tells everybody, come, meet a man who knows everything about me. Could this be the Christ? And she knows the answer. It's a rhetorical question. Of course it's the Christ. She knows it. And in her, you know, she, she was with him, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes? You'd have to act out the conversation and time it to know, but I don't think it was much longer than that. And what a turnaround. You know, imagine her coming back. Of course, God did the same thing with me. You know, he brought me back. I didn't leave the job I had when I came to know Jesus. I came right back into my radio station on a Monday morning saying, praise the Lord, I've been baptized. And wow, does that get people's attention? You know, it's like, what happened to her? <laughs> but, I, you know, I, I didn't know about lifestyle evangelism. That was compl- I didn't even know what it meant. Mm-hmm. I just had to tell people about the one who saved me, the one who who forgave me. I knew that I was set free. I could feel it in my spirit. I realized there's hope after all. I haven't gone too far. I haven't done too much. God can still use that bad for his good. Uh, and he continues to today. That's, I think, the remarkable thing to me is that once we come to know the Christ, at whatever age it happens, 5, 15, 25, 55, whatever, um, God has a plan for you. He's going to use everything, all of it. For his glory. That's the plan. Mm. Well, I definitely love that plan. And that that is, it's taking, can bad be good? And yes, he's going to take every single hurt, every single pain, and he is going to use it for good if we allow him to. And and so many times we don't invite him into our pain. We we almost like being stuck in oh, yeah, that pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in fact, we do we do kind of cook in our stew, as it were, in our in our sin and our regret and our guilt. It, it feels comfortable, you know. Can I throw out one little book that I wrote after the Bad Girl series that I've always thought is the P.S. to the series is a book called Embrace Grace, Welcome to the Forgiven Life, mm-hmm. and it it is, came from the thousands of letters and emails that I got about the Bad Girls books. Because, you know, when you're vulnerable, when you put yourself out there, people just rush to say, me too, here's my story, I've never told anybody. And Mm -hmm. often they came to a final question, and here it is. I know God has forgiven me, but I can't forgive myself. And I, I felt strongly we needed to address that because if that's being stuck, that is saying, I know the God of the universe has forgiven me, but I, my opinion matters more, I can't forgive myself. And so I just want to make sure you hear this before our show ends. Nowhere in the Bible does it say you must forgive yourself. What God says is, my grace is sufficient. Mm-hmm. So it's not a matter of working up forgiveness for yourself, beloved. It's about embracing the grace of God that's already there. It is there. And so you've got to embrace it. You've got to hug it. You've got to take it. And, of course, the truth is you can do that because he hugged first. He has already embraced us. So our deal is we just need to sink into his embrace. And uh, it's a day-by-day, step-by-step, minute-by-minute thing. It isn't like you do it once and, okay, I got this. Every minute the adversary is trying to pull us out of that embrace. So every minute we have to stand where we are, be bold, be brave, be sure, and it's the Word of God that helps us do that, 
and and just stand. Stand in our forgiveness. Stand in our salvation. Know that it's not going to be snatched out of our hands by the enemy, no matter how hard he tries. Too late. He blew it. It's over. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Be bold, be brave, and also own the grace. Um, since since you you have us here on on what the the book is, will you also remind our listeners on how they can find you and follow you? And also, you have this great little uh, snippet on YouTube. Oh yeah, well yes, I have several things that are fun on YouTube. I have a Ruth rap where I do the entire book of Ruth in four minutes as a rap. It's a giggle called Righteous Ruth Rap. <laughs> and then for bad girls, we have Bad Girls Gone Jazz. But listen, girlfriend. When you go onto YouTube, I want you to use all four words, bad girls gone jazz. Because if you just type in bad girls, honey, the stuff that pops up is so bad. So don't go there. Uh, but yeah, bad girls gone jazz on YouTube. And then pop over to Pinterest if you're a Pinterest pinner like I am. Uh, and go to Pinterest. Go to Liz Curtis Higgs on there, and you'll see I have a board for each one of the bad girls. Quite revealing, really fun. They each have their own theme, their own color. Um, we had a ball. My friends and I on Facebook just had a ball creating those boards. So check them out. You'll find me on Twitter, Liz Curtis Higgs. On Facebook, Liz Curtis Higgs. On uh, YouTube, Liz Curtis Higgs. It's very boring. My name, same name on all of them gets you to Lizzie. Um, but <laughs> did I, your, and the um, did your mom call you Liz Curtis? Or is that your name? My maiden? mother? Oh, no. It's a, oh, that is such a long story, girl. That's a whole other show. <laughs> a whole other show. But, um, yeah, I use all three names just because um, I always have. I did radio for years as Liz Curtis, and then I wow. married my wonderful Higgs. So we got them all. But I uh, also have a Bible study online, a weekly study, LizCurtisHiggs.com forward slash blog. It's a Bible study blog. We've been working through the 20 verses you love most, and that has been a joy. One of them, of course, is Romans eight twenty eight, which ties in perfectly to what you're talking about with can bad be good. That's exactly what it means when it says he works all things together for good. My daughter just bought that verse to put on her wall. You know how they have the word art, and I was so excited that she picked that rather than, you know, dream and whatever, Twilight yeah. or Hunger Games. <laughs> I was so excited. Exactly. That's fabulous. Well done. (laughs) Well, just thank you again for taking your time to join our show and just to remind us of so many significant things. And and so many times as women, we we focus and we allow our identity to come from the bad things that we have done and we allow that to define us. And it really is about living a life of grace and going forward, walking forward in that, knowing that God has given us a new name and a new purpose. And he wants to use our past, but that's not where we stay. And we're not stuck there. And appreciate the reminder. We want to and we just remind you, join us again next time on Girlfriend at Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriend It. The show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself.